Welcome to Weekend Ag Matters from the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network. Join us for an in-depth look at Iowa agriculture. Here's your host, Dustin Hoffman. Merry Christmas and welcome to Weekend Ag Matters on the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network for this Christmas weekend, 2022. I'm Dustin Huffman. Hopefully everybody is getting through the winter storm we've been having across the state for the last couple of days. And hopefully it wasn't too much of an impediment. And if you are traveling out there, do make sure you allow yourself extra time and be very cautious. And always check up on the road reports before you are going out. You can always check that out through the 511 app for Iowa's Department of Transportation. Or you can also look up the number to call and get the latest road reports in your area. And with it being Christmas weekend, Russ Parker will have a Christmas-themed faith-based Food for Thought segment coming up here in just a few moments as well. Mark Magnuson and Riley Smith will be joining us to round out today's program. Again, Merry Christmas to everybody. But, of course, the world keeps spinning during Christmas week, and we will talk about the top stories. Iowa U.S. Senator Chuck Grassley met with reporters on Tuesday for his weekly conference call. Grassley told reporters his cattle price discovery and transparency bill would not be included in the latest omnibus spending package. The Senate will be voting on this week, the Senate will be voting on the omnibus appropriation bill. It was put out about 3 o'clock this morning. The bill will not include my cattle price discovery and transparency act. I know that to be a fact, even though we haven't uh, gone through the, the bill yet. I have a long, you know, I've been working a long time to help Iowa's independent cattle producers so that they can receive a fair bid for their cattle. Grassley says that the bill won't be included in the spending package despite widespread bipartisan support. This year we had a lot of success with 21 senators signing on to it and it easily sailed through the Senate Ag Committee. In the end we just ran out of time. I'm disappointed that Majority Leader Schumer did not find time on the Senate calendar since it was so important for rural America, particularly the fact that He told Tester that he would do it. I'm confident that we will have a strong support for the bill in the next Congress. This bill is very bipartisan. Of course, with a new Congress being seated at the beginning of January, that means the bill has to start all over again. Iowa Ag Secretary Mike Nag announced on Monday that Deputy Secretary of Agriculture Julie Kenny will leave the department for a new opportunity shortly after the beginning of the new year. After nearly five years of exceptional leadership in that role, Nag said Julie was passionate as an advocate for Iowa agriculture and has been an incredible asset to the Iowa Department of Agriculture and Land Stewardship over the next several years. Secretary Nag also announced the hiring of Grant Mankey as the next Deputy Secretary of Agriculture for the Iowa Department of Ag. Mankey will begin Deputy Secretary duties on Friday, January the 6th. Nag says Grant brings a lifelong passion for agriculture to the department is well respected within the state's agricultural community through his years of leadership in both the public and private sector. Mankey comes to the Iowa Department of Ag and Land Stewardship from the Iowa Corn Growers Association and the Iowa Corn Promotion Board, where he served as Vice President of Market Development. Prior to that, he was the State Director for the United States Department of Agricultural Rural Development Office here in Des Moines. Well, with bird flu cases being on the rise in the past several weeks, stress has been creeping up as well. There has been a number of additional cases being spotted in Iowa, but we are still well below our 2015 record of 77 cases where we sit right now at only 30. 
However, the nation has seen more bird flu cases across the board than it did in 2015. The key is that we're seeing it spread over a wider path. But Iowa Ag Secretary Mike Nag also says Iowa can hang its hat on the fact that we are much better at identifying the disease and putting prevention measures into effect. But it also gives him worry for the springtime. Yeah, we're we're at uh, we're at 24. Uh, we're at 30. We're at 30 now in the state of Iowa. 24 commercial sites, and that's still that's still look from an from an Iowa perspective. Remember, in 15, we had 77 sites. We had 30 million birds that were impacted. Uh, even as bad as this year has been, and it is stressful, and we are seeing a reoccurrence here in the fall. It is nothing like 2015. Uh, that's a testament to our producers and the biosecurity and the things that they've learned. It's also, I think, a, a reaction to or a response to uh, the fact that we're doing a better job as the state of Iowa and as USDA in defining, uh, uh, containing, and, and really disposing of the virus. So those are that's actually a good news story in this. Hard to hard to be thinking about the good news side of this when you're still in the in, in the middle of it, frankly. But you know, we had taken about a six month break between you know the last. A positive case in the spring was in May. It was six months later when we started to see the fall reoccurrence. And that was different than 2015, you know. But we had been watching that throughout the northern United States all summer, that they continued to have cases. These birds are still, these wild birds are still carrying that virus. And as they turned around and headed south during the migration, they're once again carrying that virus with them. And, you know, it's going to end at some point. They're going to move through. But it does have me concerned once again about what happens in the spring. They do not seem to be able to shed this virus. They're continuing to spread it. It's unfortunate. The concern nobody wants to really ask is, will this become a yearly issue that we will need to deal with? Secretary Nag says, first of all, we need to respond to the fact that this can possibly happen all year round. While he isn't certain that this could be yearly, he also adds, the stress on Iowa poultry producers is high as they go out to do chores every day and wonder if today's the day that they'll be hit by the avian influenza. The 2023 Iowa Pork Congress will be held January 25th and 26th at the Iowa Event Center in Des Moines, and it will be the 50th Pork Congress that involves a trade show, educational sessions, and the Iowa Pork Producers Association annual meeting, which will be held January 24th. IPPA organizes the event, which is North America's largest winter swine trade show and conference. President Kevin Rasmussen of Goldfield said pork producers from around the country have attended many of the Iowa Pork Congress events through the years. He says he first attended when he was an FFA student in high school. He also noted that that time he was working on his supervised ag experience project, which was a purebred swine operation, and he took the opportunity to try his sales pitch on other producers. Through the years, Rasmussen noticed that his wife, Lisa, and him have made great friends and strengthened business relationships at the Iowa Pork Congress, and many of those professionals have become mentors to them as they established and grew their new operation. In addition to great networking opportunities in the trade show, the Iowa Pork Congress includes several education sessions, including the keynote presentation for each day, and you can check those out through the Iowa Pork Producers website. And while you're there, make sure you're pre-registering for next year's event. And that's it for our top stories this week. Let's kick things over to Russ Parker and his faith-based food for thought on this Christmas weekend on Weekend Ag Matters. I was watching our church's kids' Christmas program the other night via the internet since we were not able to attend in person. It was awesome to watch young kids, some singing, I'm sure, in their first Christmas presentation, continue their walk through their faith journey. Some were a little timid, some sang beautifully, and others sang loudly and without fear. 
not caring or maybe not even knowing whether they were on pitch or in sync with the music and their peers. It sure brought back some childhood memories. Perhaps for you too? Christmas, for many of us, brings with it a lot of family traditions and memories. As children, recalling opening gifts at grandparents, putting cookies and milk out for Santa, and going to bed on Christmas Eve with great expectation. And as we matured, there was a, a moment of realization that Santa isn't exactly who we thought he was, and the meaning of Christmas starts to change, and we understood the reason for the season, and we learned about being kind, giving back, thinking about loved ones we had lost, and the manger in Bethlehem. And thinking about my own life and Christmas experiences, I can now enjoy the bonus which I never really understood as a grandchild, and now as a grandfather, having journeyed to the full circle, and my memories are stirred as I watch and interact with my grandchildren. And during this week, I'm realizing that the circle still has a gap, and that I'm going to have an opportunity those youngsters had at their Christmas program, and be a first-time singer, too. Imagine being a shepherd over 2,000 years ago on that Christmas Eve night and hearing the angels sing. My bet is they were not nervous. Their confidence was unwavering and their message still resounds to this day. And you and I can sing, Gloria, Gloria, and every note will be perfect because he is perfect. He is born. Food for thought, I hope. This is Russ Parker. Have a blessed day. Thanks, Russ. And that's going to do it for our first segment here of Weekend Ag Matters on this Christmas weekend. Mark Magnuson will be joining us in just a few moments to continue the program after we hear from our sponsor, the Iowa Soybean Association and the Soy Checkoff, where they're driven to deliver opportunities and results for Iowa's 40,000 soybean farmers. Visit IASoybeans.com to learn more. This is Weekend Ag Matters. Mark your calendars for an event you won't want to miss. Registration is now open for the Iowa Soybean Association's Innovation to Profit Conference on February 16, 2023 at the FFA Enrichment Center in Ankeny, Iowa. Find research-backed solutions and opportunities to help you create a successful game plan to bring profitability to your operation. Register today by visiting www.iasoybeans.com. This message brought to you by the Iowa Soybean Association and the Soy Checkoff. Welcome back to Weekend Ag Matters. Here is Mark Magnuson. Welcome into segment two of Weekend Ag Matters here on the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network. I'm Mark Magnuson. Today I have for you a conversation with Dale Ireland. He develops seed treatments for corn and soybeans with Syngenta. With 2022 winding down, it's time to start making plans for planting season in 2023. Dale and I spoke at the NAFB Trade Talk Show in Kansas City last month and discussed the importance of seed care and seedling care in terms of a plant's overall health and yield potential. Mark Magnuson with the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network, and I'm joined by Dale Ireland with Syngenta. We are here at NAFB Trade Talk 
And Dale, could you tell our listeners what your job title is with Syngenta? So I develop seed treatments for corn and soy bean. And Dale, I know that you, I recently actually heard a talk from you where you mentioned that how important it is very early in the plant's life to take care of that plant. Why is that so important as we're seeing the plant come out of the ground very early? Well, I'll tell you, what, what we find is that the more healthy each seed is and each seedling is, the more yield potential you maintain from that genetic package. If you kind of think about it backwards, and that is the most yield potential that any seed, whether it's corn or soybeans, has is, well, it still resides in that bag. And we all know we need to plant that seed, but as soon as you take it out of that bag and put it in the uncontrollable environment of the soil, you need to protect that from different abiotic and biotic stresses, right? I mean, whether it's environmental or whether it's just disease or biological types of things. So the first thing we normally see with corn and soybeans is the attack of the seed by pythium. Pythium is encouraged by cooler, wetter soil. Certainly, it needs moisture. Uh, We know that pythium can be an issue from 45 degrees clear up through 75 degrees, but you need to have some moisture. And the earlier you plant to maximize that growing season, the more likely you are to encounter pythium problems. So very early on in the plant's life, what is the best way then to go about taking care of that plant? What do you recommend as far as having that very healthy start? Well, as we talked about, planting early is important to maintain the yield potential. And what because of pythium, you want to have multiple effective modes of action. And with a new, a new seed treatment we just developed here, uh, I've been working on this new fungicide for the last eight years, and we've just marketed it. It was a soft launch in 22, and it'll be on uh, a great deal of acres in 2023. It's called Crisomax Apex. It has a new mode of action for pythium and phytophthora, and that brings what you end up with is more plants, more uniformity of each one of those plants, and then more yield potential. When you're working on something like that for so long, how much, how exciting is that payoff when you get to see it in action? Well, it's really a, a, a personal thing. Because I've seen what this does in both corn and soybeans, this new fungicide as a seed treatment, it's been exciting to see in the last 18 months people seeing the same thing I've been seeing and the excitement. It's, it's kind of like you train a, a, a team. Maybe it's a little, you know, a, a children's soccer team or a little league baseball team. And you've been training, training, training for months. And now you're in your first game and that team takes the field and you're the coach. And it's kind of fun to see, I have to say. So also when you're working on something like this for so long, is it just a chance to exhale a little bit at the end of the process too when you know that you put so much into it? Well, yes, but but also you kind of want to uh, make sure you're paying attention to using the coaching analogy, what's going on on the field. Um, you know, and, and, and really what we're seeing is, well, it was on over 10 million acres of corn last year and Cruzermax Apex will be on tens of millions of acres of, of soybeans in 2023. And you're going to get larger plants, more uniform plants, and less replanting because you're maintaining your plant stand. Dale, what are some other things that producers, farmers have been talking to you about recently and questions maybe that they've had for you? Well, I think one thing that we see as we try to maximize the growing season in both corn and soy is we see that planting date creeping earlier and earlier every year. I mean, 
some growers, if it's not March and it's dry enough to plant, no matter what the calendar says, if it's in, if it's in April, they're going to start planting some soybeans or some corn. They may not get in a hurry. And when you do that, you're going to encounter less advantageous conditions for a quick plant growth establishment. So the more comprehensive that seed treatment is, it will maximize the number of, of um, seeds you have to germinate and, and uh, establish a stand. And one thing that we really see along with that trend for earlier planting is a reduction in seeding rates of soybeans. I mean, what, 10, 15 years ago, 200,000 seeds per acre wasn't unusual, right? Now we're down in some areas to 110 to 120. Now, some of your growers are not gonna go that, that low, but every seed is that much more precious, right? So protecting that and making sure that as many of those seeds as possible establish and maintain as much of that yield potential is important. Dale, is there anything else you'd like to let our listeners, our farmers back in Iowa know about when it comes to uh, what you've been working on, what you're excited about with Syngenta right now? Well, another seed treatment that we developed uh, and, and we've been marketing for the last three years is Saltro. And Saltro is very good. Uh, it basically set a new standard for sudden death syndrome protection and nematode protection. So when you use Cruisermax Apex plus Saltro, it's really a hand-in-glove solution for that early planting uh, acre of soybeans, protecting against Pythium, protecting against sudden death syndrome, ensuring as much of that, that uh, uh, genetic potentials there. And, you know, growers spend a lot of time selecting those genetics. I mean, they're already doing it, looking at what seeds they want to plant on what, what acres. And this just allows them to, to enjoy the, the fruits of those genetics. He is Dale Ireland with Syngenta. We are at the NAFB Trade Talk Show. Thank you so much for the time and have a great rest of the show. Thank you very much. Appreciate the opportunity to talk with you. That's it for segment number two on Weekend Ag Matters. Up next, Riley Smith will wrap up this week's show with Iowa State University professor Dr. Dan Thompson. You're listening to Weekend Ag Matters on the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network. Welcome back to Weekend Ag Matters. Here's Riley Smith. Well, we are here talking with Iowa State University professor Dr. Dan Thompson just a little bit about on beef research, really. Now, of course, we're in a unique position to have uh, state-funded beef checkoff dollars available for research. So just talk about how that's possible and just, you know, the benefits of being able to uh, have that funding. Well, thank you very much. And, you know, we have a national beef checkoff program that, that everybody, when an animal is sold, a dollar goes into the beef checkoff. Those dollars are only reserved to increase the promotion of beef. So we can't do research on production or health or, or carcass. So the state of Iowa beef producers went together and said, hey, we're going to start our own checkoff, a state checkoff, that's going to be voluntary, and it's 50 cents per head, and that those dollars are going to go into a pool where part of that money is utilized for research on issues that Iowa's beef producers are facing in production performance, in, in grazing, in, and uh, health, and in carcass characteristics. Absolutely, and that leads me to my next point. You know, what's some of the top research that's going on right now that really our listeners should be, you know, in tune with? Sure. So 
when we break it down and we and we put together a group of producers, veterinarians, packers, allied industry, and what we did is we came together and we identified the areas where we need more research in the beef industry in Iowa. One of the top one was the beef on dairy cross calves and understanding the health of those calves coming from the calf ranch, coming into the feedlot, understanding nutritional how we start those on a starter ration and how much roughage to increase rumen uh, contractility and muscling. Um, and then developing a tool or a library for producers to better understand the performance, the health, the production management of dairy uh, and dairy beef cross calves, which is becoming more and more of a part of our fed cattle industry in the state of Iowa. Uh, on the cow side, uh, the two big things were, were, were grazing and looking at different types of supplementation, whether it's grain-based or whether it's a distillers-based uh, supplementation and then the last one which was really kind of cool is going in you know we mow and we bale corn stalks and it improves the you know the number of leaves and it breaks up some of that that stock and we're looking at maybe if you run the mower over before you graze it the cows have a more palatable and better grazing experience on crop residues rather than just leaving them there. And I'll wrap up with um, the other study, obviously in the feed yard, one of the things that's very important for Iowa cattle feeders is understanding endpoint management and delayed marketing. So if we sell fat cattle and the packer doesn't take them for two weeks or four weeks, how much feed efficiency do we lose holding those calves uh, that much longer? And so we have an endpoint management study with two different implant project programs going on at the Armstrong farm down there in Cass County. Exactly. And I mean, you know, obviously all these things always coming back around to those producers and getting them that information and technology and research to make those advancements. And like you said, improve that efficiency and kind of build on that return on investment, especially with that uh, beef dairy cross calves. I mean, that's a very interesting kind of conversation to have. And uh, like you said, it's really growing as well. Yeah. You know, so so the thing that people need to understand about research is that one research trial is not going to give us the answer for the industry. The most important part about that is engaging our researchers, having it on the top of their brain, having it involved in all of our extension discussions, because the real answers are going to come from producers, right, that are out there doing it every day. But if we keep these ideas and we keep these conversations happening because we're funding research or we're getting some key bits to the puzzle, it allows our producers or the people in the trenches with their veterinarians to come up with the answers. And we continue to have these discussions here at ICA or at the Iowa Beef Industry Council and really, really push Iowa beef. When, when we started this program, we said, Iowa first, Iowa best. And so we're gonna put Iowans first and we're gonna have the best beef industry anybody's ever seen. Exactly. And I mean, Iowa's beef industry really just having a great time in recent years, having lots of growth. And like you mentioned, it's a constant cycle of going back and forth, getting that information, putting it into practice. And who better to put it into practice and get those answers than our Iowa beef producers? They're the best. and They're the most knowledgeable. They're the most conscientious. Um, you know, they're in it for the right reasons. And I'm just proud to be in the Iowa beef industry. All right. And are there any other research topics on the horizon that uh, beef producers should be kind of excited to look out for? Oh, yeah. We're going to be looking at infectious disease model, heifer development programs, um, lots of different things that impact our beef industry, our producers on a day-to-day -day basis. And 
we're just thankful for the opportunity. We're thankful for the, the foresight of the, the Iowa Beef Industry Council uh, board members. And when you start to think about your checkoff and you think about what does it do for me, it's not only out there promoting beef, but now it's helping solve the production issues that we save, uh, deal with on a day-to-day basis. Right. And then, uh, you know, other than just through the beef checkoff, what are the ways that, you know, our listeners and producers would be able to find that research, find that information and just learn more about it? If you go on the Iowa Beef Industry uh, Council website, there's a list of the 14 trials that we've funded since 2018, the five studies that we've funded here in 2022 uh, and, and email us. Right. And, and ask us for questions, ask us. Go on the Iowa Beef Center at Iowa State, the Iowa Beef Center website. You'll see that their, their website highlights a lot of these research projects. It has a highlight of the extension opportunities that are coming forward. And they, those are just some of the ways. I guess the, the Iowa Cattlemen's Association, the Iowa Beef Industry Center or Council, and the Iowa Beef Center at Iowa State uh, ICA, IBIC, and ICA, or IBC. I can't get all the acronyms straight, <laughs> but if you go to those three websites, they're all highlighted. And, and the other thing is the stresses. If you want to get involved, all right, if you want to be involved, that's the reason why we have organized agriculture. So it's not just about getting your dues or just getting your check off. It's about being a participant, being in the know, and really help us lead and drive this beef uh, industry forward. We need you. Right. I mean, it's like I said earlier, you know, who better to drive that progress forward than the people who are in the industry actively involved. So that again was Dr. Dan Thompson, Iowa State University professor. Dan, thanks for taking the time to visit with us today. Thank you. And that's it for today's episode of Weekend Ag Matters. Thanks again for tuning in. You can listen to this episode and more by going to the podcast tab on the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network website at iowaagnet.com. For Russ Parker, Dustin Huffman, and Mark Magnuson, I'm Riley Smith, wishing you a great rest of your weekend. Join us again next week for more Weekend Ag Matters.